Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Yannick Hanfman. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Janis Kudler. This is Sebastian Wolfner. It's Mark Andreas Wiesler. I am Francisco Serundelo. And, and you're listening to the Game Zola Podcast. Hopefully you enjoy it. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> the epic final. Novak Djokovic. Carlos Alcaraz. We saw it in Wimbledon and we're going to get it at the US Open. He's going to be able to handle a situation in a Grand Slam final against Djokovic because he's beaten him in one. I'm going for Carlos Alcaraz. The main man. The number 24. Novak Djokovic. US Open time, baby! Let's go! Golf could be our US Open champion. Three set final in which Iga wins. Near on near impossible that Djokovic doesn't make the final. Novak Djokovic claiming his 24th Grand Slam title on the women's side. No surprise here. I think that Novak Djokovic will win this year's US Open and Coco Goff is going to be the American that wins it on the women's side. That Novak Djokovic will win this Grand Slam, beating Alcaraz in the final. I believe that Sabalenka is going to uh, ace up this uh, Grand Slam. Sabalenka and Djokovic take it. Novak Djokovic will have as many Grand Slams as there are hours in the day. Anz Jabir is going to do it. I really believe. I think Anz has learned from her mistakes. Novak Djokovic is going to win the US Open. Arena Sabalenka is winning her second Grand Slam. Carlos Alcaraz is going back to back. He's going to defend his US Open title. Coco Goff on home soil is taking home the cake. Goff will win. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. The US Open, day one in the books. And we've had some big upsets. We've had some regulars cruising through as well. And it's good to see all of our people. Their predictions are still standing strong so far. There were a few uh, I was worried that were going to take a tumble in the first round, but no one so far, which is good to see. So I don't have to change that intro just yet, JG. Yeah, and there's some great tennis players getting laser eye surgery at the moment because Novak Djokovic looked laser sharp in that opening round. Uh, we know Jay Genius is a great player on the tennis court. Djokovic emulating him, and he was not missing. There was a period in that match where I thought we're going to be looking at a triple bagel. 
this was a high-level Novak Djokovic. He was against Muller, uh, yeah. most famously known for yogurts, uh, not for his tennis. And really, yeah. it, was an, it was a bit of a mismatch, just like Igor was against Peterson as well. I think the big story wasn't really Djokovic because we expected him to look good. But one thing I want to touch on on Novak Djokovic is there's been many, many times on the opening day of a Grand Slam, we've come on here and we've said Djokovic looked a little bit slow. He lost the first set, he went to a tie break. He wasn't quite himself or he was a bit off balance or there was an incident happening. There was none of it. I've never really seen yeah. him start a Grand Slam as brilliantly as he has done uh, yesterday. And um, I think everyone's in for a really, really difficult time if they want to stop him. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, he's coming off a fantastic performance in Cincinnati. I said it before in the draw preview, I think it was, or the draw reaction, that you couldn't really handpick uh, a better person to be playing in the first round as well. Muller, he's coming off the back of six matches in a row that he's lost, and Djokovic has made it seven in a row for him. So somebody very low on confidence, easy win for Djokovic normally even if he was playing his best but playing the way he's been playing lately if he lost in straight sets to Benjamin Bonzi I expected Djokovic to absolutely annihilate him and it's what happened easy bagel for Djokovic and like you said now he's going to be moving back to the number one spot that win was all he needed to ensure that when this tournament finishes he will be back at the top of the tree again. Maybe he'll be a US Open champion as well. We'll have to wait and see on that. But one thing's guaranteed. Novak Djokovic will extend his weeks at number one after this US Open. Yeah, and he's already the all-time leader uh, with 389 weeks. All he's going to do is extend that lead at the top. I yeah. think we're going to see a little back and forth though between Djokovic and Alcaraz. Uh, wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Alcaraz has another chance to become world number one. I've not looked at how it all works, but I think that's that's more than likely that Alcaraz will creep back up in there because, of course, uh, Djokovic he's defending the ATP Finals right at the end of the year, and Alcaraz didn't even play it last year, so that's going to be a really big differential in allowing him to maybe gain a few extra points uh, there for sure. So Alcaraz can definitely get number one, but Djokovic doing amazing and. I think it's a record now with him keep getting there, which is going to be very difficult for anyone to ever surpass. I know some people said that in the past uh, with Federer, but this Djokovic one seems to be one which I don't think will be broken. This is a good graphic because this is, well, this was his potential route to the US Open final. And I thought it would be interesting because you can see how much it's already been dismembered in round one or even day one because round one's still going to be yeah. going on today. We're going to be covering some matches and we'll do our uh, day two uh, summary just like this one tomorrow at a similar yeah. time, maybe a little bit earlier. So please join us for these daily updates. But you can see from the graphics, um, I'll let you go through it because your eyesight's slightly better than mine. Yes, uh, the two main people are possibly the two hardest matches the people with good head-to-heads against Djokovic Felix one and one against Djokovic and head-to-heads out Holger Luna leading the head-to-head against Djokovic out 
So now all he's left with is uh, Stefano Sissipas, who he has won the last 10 matches against, or maybe Laszlo Gere. He had a close, he's only played him once, and you've covered the match against Laszlo Gere, and it was about four hours long, if I'm right. Was that right? And it was in On Serbia. a clay court. On a yeah, clay on a court. clay court. I don't think it will be close if they were to play on a hard court, but maybe one of his toughest matches. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> no, he sounds insane, but Nakashima. it's opened up so nicely for him. I, I'm not going to say anything about Felix. I don't think Felix would have ever done anything to Djokovic, even if he stumbled his way to that round. But Holger Rune is a big advantage for Djokovic, not having to yeah. face him. Because if he got to that round, what would it be? The semi-finals? Yep. It would have been a Holger Rune playing in really good uh, form and, and full of confidence. And that one could have been a bit of a 50-50, maybe 60-40 towards Djokovic for that big fi- uh, sort of best-of-five factor. But Holgaruna's shown time and time again on a big stage he can beat Djokovic in Masters finals. So I actually think it's a real big let off uh, for Novak. Sissipas, I don't think would trouble him, but Sissipas did do very well. Maybe we'll go to that match next because he played Raonic, uh, someone who's got really good pedigree in Grand Slams, who's coming back from an injury. And he's got a really good head to head against Sissipas. I mean, before yeah. yesterday, um, it was 2-0, and o, wasn't it? Yeah, 2-0. and o. Sissipas had never beaten him. And there was all straight sets as well. Straight sets at the Australian Open and straight sets at Cincinnati. So all on hard courts. But Sissipas was able to beat him very convincingly. And I was surprised about that. I thought Raonic would have been good value for a set. Uh, but he wasn't. And it was 6-2, 6-3, 6-4, under two hours. Is Steph playing a little bit better in fact that he can maybe trouble Djokovic? Or is it too early to say? Definitely too early to say, but I like the fact that he came out all guns blazing. This is the type of Sissipas performance that we need in a slam in the early rounds, especially because if you're going to catch Steph out, you're going to catch him out in the first few rounds because he either has a terrible like tournament or he goes deep, it seems, at Grand Slams. So he's got this one out the way, which is sort of a bogey player, which is Milos Raonic. Next round... Uh, let's have a quick look at who Steph will be playing in the next round because then we can really start to build a picture. Dominic Stricker in the next round. Winnable again. I th- And he doesn't have to play Poprin, which I think may be a more difficult matchup for Sissipas. So well, let's be it's... honest, Ben. Sissipas is on that half of the draw without all of the big players. The, the, yeah. He's on the Djokovic side, so he's got an opportunity as well. So what should we keep saying Djokovic is an easy draw? Really, Sissipas... When he was playing a lot better, sort of, what, two years ago, I would say, when he was really playing well, at that period, like, right now, like, he should be looking at this as such a good opportunity because he, if he could somehow get through Djokovic, I mean, he is the favourite to get to the final from that side. His section is tougher, though, than Djokovic's It is is slightly, it is a tougher section, but still he's on the better half. He avoids the likes of Daniel Medvedev, someone who's beaten him time and time again. Carlos Alcaraz, who he can't get anywhere near. Yeah, That's just two examples. Sinner, yeah. Sinner, another one. I'm not sure where Rublev is. Is Rublev on the other side as well? Uh, Andre Rublev, let me just have a look. Andre, uh, yeah, because he has a, potential matchup with Medvedev doesn't yeah, he so yeah exactly. it would be yeah Crazy. so uh that section for jo- if you look at Djokovic and Sitsipas's sections though I mean Sitsipas would have Stricker then maybe Eubanks then maybe Fritz so it's tougher than Djokovic's at the moment could be Laszlo Gere and then maybe 
I don't know about the others. Vesely, maybe. I mean, if he has to play Vesely, <laughs> probably won't it. like that. Um, that's that's one player I'm sure out of all of those he's looking at going, hmm, I hope he doesn't make it through. <laughs> Bit of a bogey player. But I think he'll be all right. I, I mean, Zverev, right. another one who's on the other side. So Berrettini, it, yeah. it's honestly, Steph has got such an opportunity here. And I want to close the section talking about Steph, talking about Badoza, because I thought you have to speak about them two together. And Badoza is someone who's pulled out yeah. of the US Open, as we all know, and she's yeah. put out a tweet saying she's not going to be playing tennis now for the rest of the year. So yeah. uh, Sister Doza is in half at the moment with tennis, but I'm sure we're going to see plenty of Instagram, up Instagram updates. Yep, I'm sure we will. That's very sad news. But at least she's there supporting uh, Tsitsipas as well. So she's uh, not going to just completely jet off. Let's move on to uh, the next one. This one, uh, another Novak Djokovic stat. And it says 18. Novak Djokovic's win was also the 18th time he secured the first set six love at a Grand Slam. Djokovic has the most opening set bagels of any male in the open era at Grand Slams. Rafa Nadal with 13. The next best. Momentum. Yeah, massive statistic that. And like you said, starting the Grand Slam very, very fast. And it's scary for his next opponent. I'm sure Zabata Morales will receive similar treatment in the next round. Um, let's move on to the match that was actually before Djokovic, though. This was one I was watching just before I went to bed and didn't manage to finish the whole thing. But I just thought I, know, I can see how this match is going now. It is Coco Goff. And like she says here, uh, she was asked, um, nothing easy about that match. Describe what it was like to play. Coco said, slow. <laughs> I know, a little bit of yeah, a... So, so this is the match that happened before Djokovic, like you said, and it's the one what kept everyone waiting because yeah. a lot of people were expecting Coco to go out there and win in straight sets. It wasn't the case. Majorly uh, credit to Laura Siegmund, I thought... Yeah. You can't take too much away from Coco Goff in the fact that she wasn't playing bad. I just feel Siegmund had a game plan. She was coming to the net, yeah. volleying very well. Yes. She looked extremely pumped and and focused and wasn't really missing much. But Coco's quality sort of come through. The whole match, though, what she was doing was making Coco wait. And you could see it was really frustrating her which ended in a third set outburst. I don't know if you've got another tweet. I think maybe it shows it a little bit better. Um, but is it this yeah, this, you can speak one? about that. Yeah, that's a good one. Go yeah, back. Go, to this uh, one no, go back to the other one, sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> we can see it. Yeah, so you can actually see it. Um, so this was the incident in the third set yeah. where she was basically ready to wow. serve. She served and then the umpire called it back because Seedman wasn't even ready. She was walking towards the baseline, uh, taking her time. She was doing it throughout the whole match. Coco went to the umpire, complained about it. Some people are criticizing her, saying, Oh, Coco's shown her true colours. She's no. aggressive, she's this, she's that. Rubbish. I think people I think it's absolute rubbish. I think she was well within her right to say something. It was obvious the tactic Siegeman was deploying. Yeah. And if anything, I think Coco Goff should have done it a little bit sooner. Well and I do want to uh jump on that point as you say that. It's interesting now that we get to hear the coaches and I like the fact they're all mic'd up now because throughout the whole of the uh, second set, Brad Gilbert, her coach, was constantly saying she's she's every time that Siegeman's serving, it goes to zero. Tell the umpire. Make sure he kept saying it. It's gone to zero again. Tell the umpire. It's gone to zero again. 
keep telling the umpire because she's going over her time limit every single time. At one point, Siegeman went and approached the umpire and complained and said, are you being serious? This first game of the second set was 27 minutes long. She said, we've been out here for 27 minutes and I'm serving. You can't start it before I've even been to the towel. I sort of felt a bit sorry for her a little bit, but she was doing it throughout the whole of the match as well. It wasn't just that game. But Coco was just being encouraged by her coach to go and uh, confront the umpire. And she has to take everything that she says from her coaches. If she's going to become the the great player that we think that she can be, she has to take the advice. She can't just do everything off her own back. There's a lot going on on the court. And I think it was the right call. I think if he, if your coach says, make her she because she's just you could see she was nervous about even approaching the umpire about it whereas brad gilbert's like make a point of it go stand up for yourself like that type of thing like okay good i like that type of thing and should, the fact should, uh, sorry on your point of all players should listen to their coach do you really believe that because look at, certain... look at Djokovic, for example goran Ivanisevic saying things to him how many times do you see him disagree and argue with him and you feel yeah, like he says something, he does player, something completely though. opposite. I feel like this is a, a different, this is a completely different because she has been struggling with certain elements of her game. And I feel that she's got so much more room for improvement. If there's other people picking up the other loose parts of her game, like off, this isn't even in play. This is stuff which is going on uh, around the play. If she, if they can pick up on that for her, she does one less thing to think about. She can just focus on the tennis. So, I think it's a good thing that they are picking that that sort of stuff up for her and just letting her play a tennis. And they kept on, well, Brad Gilbert was relentless on it, and he was just saying just because otherwise she was going to keep getting away with it. And I think that that was the thing: make a point of it early so that the umpire doesn't just allow her to get away with it. And obviously. She had to have a word with uh, Siegeman. She had some warnings in that match as well. I don't think every player should be listening to their coach 100% because I don't think you can do that. Uh, I feel that you have to play your game and if you're constantly listening all the time, you're not in the zone. No, I like players having to work. I'm a bit old school in the fact that all this on-court coaching, I know you like it. It's not bad listening in on it sometimes, but I, I don't need. I don't think it's that necessary. I liked it before. I like the problem solving of the player in real time, dealing with situations which occur on a tennis court, and then then problem solving on how they're going to deal with it, overcome it, and be better. I find that as as big as as as, as important as hitting a big winner down the line, for example. That's yeah, all part of the whole package, and I've always enjoyed that element of it because I would like to say that when I play tennis, I feel like. The, the formulating of an idea and a plan is something which I spend a lot of time on and I enjoy that side because I'm probably better than that than the actual tennis. So I can use that to my advantage in certain situations. And I think that's an important skill in not just tennis, but a lot of sports, tennis more so than than, than others. Uh, but if we just go back one, we can see what Coco Goff had to say about the incident. I'll sure. let you read it out because no worries. I'm, not, I'm not there yet. If I if I could do it all over again, I would have said something earlier, maybe on a changeover. Other than that, I don't regret talking to the ref uh, the way I did. I actually watched the video when I was talking, uh, well, when I was taking an ice bath because I wanted to make sure before I came in here. Sometimes you have these emotions and you forget what you said. Uh, I'd still say everything I said in that moment again, and that's. I think that's fair enough. I don't think she said anything that was 
too crazy. I think that she just stood up for herself in, in a moment and how she felt. I think if you take away emotions of players, then we're going to go down in a completely different route in tennis. It's going to be totally boring. So we've got to have the passion. We've got to have a little bit of, I don't know, heads button, I feel, on a tennis court because it's a, it's competition. It's rivalry. People are going to get under each other's skin. It's good for the sports in a so, certain way. And the fact that they were cheering missed serves and stuff. Of, I mean, we get it at the US Open, but I just don't like that about the... If there's a double fault or a missed serve, don't start applauding all this type of thing. I don't care if there's a big moment and they want to go crazy. And even though they booed her, I'm not even that bothered about that. But just don't... There has to be some class, a little bit. <laughs> keep it to just a, a minimal yeah. I mean even looking at Coco Goff there do you not think now we're starting to see her moving from that sort of girl type face to like a woman it's like Definitely. I feel we're getting that change we're seeing it in her results she's just won Cincinnati she's uh, not scared she's always someone who's very vocal she'll speak out when she wants to on topical issues and I'm rooting for her I would like to see her do really well here at the US Open and this Definitely. is a really good Difficult match to get through because Seedron played well and she did extremely well to get through it in the manner she did with all of the extra things happening. Uh, but let's I, move on. So yeah. we spoke about Djokovic. We spoke about Coco Goff. There's some big stories. Where do you want to go to next? Eager? Eager it is. And we've got a stat to start us off with Eager saying 16. Eager Sviontek has won her last 16 Grand Slam first rounds with only 4.2 games dropped on average per match and there's a list of all of them here um i don't know if you want me to read them all out no. i mean if you don't then if you're only listening jump onto uh, youtube and check out the video you can see there's a big list of all of these six loves and six ones <laughs> yeah it's pretty much always straight sets every single time never free sets yeah, And a lot of bagels, a lot of breadsticks. Uh, I don't think yes. there's really many matches without a breadstick or a bagel. The well, odds just one, one here or there. Yeah, it's um, a couple. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's insane, really. Just sort of highlights how good she is against lesser opposition than an opium round of a Grand Slam. She is someone who rises to the big occasion in a Grand Slam. Uh, someone who doesn't rise to the big occasion is Maria Sarkari. Uh, yeah. She's pretty much the opposite to this, what we're seeing with Iga. And she was a big seed to go out. Of course, the number okay. eight in the world. I think she's, is she the eighth seed? I'm not sure who else pulled yeah, out. Eighth seed, yeah. She went out, straight sets, Masarova again. She's been out pretty much first set, first round every, every, um, every Grand Slam this year. And even if you look to last year, it was not great. There's a lot of second rounds and third rounds in there. She's clearly struggling. Like uh, she, There was an interview she did. I've not caught it all, but I saw some quotes. And she was speaking about maybe taking a break from tennis, um, trying to get things together. She felt nervous on the court. And someone of her ability, I don't think you should be... I think nerves are healthy. I think it's good to feel nerves yeah. in sporting moments. But for her, clearly, it's on the, it's on the side of where it's not healthy. And... Yeah, she needs really to get not. something together. I feel like there's a little bit of anxiety and a few mental battles she's having to face because, uh, yeah, she's just not quite there because she's far better than a lot of these players. She she has the ability to go semi-finals here. I had her go in there, my bracket. I think she's a quality player on her day. She could beat Masarova comfortably. 
but there's a bigger issue here. And I won't be surprised if we see her take this break from tennis and maybe it's the best thing she'll do. Quite possible. I mean, where do, where do we go next with her? I mean, all she's going to be doing is going into another tournament. And if she keeps performing an okay in and around the Grand Slams, great. But it the slams are where you're going to be judged. That's that's the real like meat of the tour. That's where the even the neutrals you get found out about by neutral fans who are just coming in for slams, and all they're seeing this year is Maria Sakkari go going out early exit after early exit. I th- I feel that she does need to just go and like maybe not like therapist or something like that, but we know that Sabah had real problems with the serve in the mental block. She's managed to iron that out somehow. So maybe A little bit. S- it's still there. And it, I think, I, I feel like these things will never really leave you. No. Uh, you either got it or you don't Ask on the big sporting. It's something you either have or you don't on the big sporting stage. And I don't think like she's going to have that real winning ability, sadly. She's got the, she's technically brilliant, but beyond that, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, just one more on Eager, uh, yep. that she is now, she could become the youngest player since Venus Williams to defend the women's singles title at the US Open. There was another tweet as well with um, all of the uh, the That's years of the last, I think it's the last five Grand Slams in the women's. And the average age is something like 20, oh, here we yep. go, you got it here, 20 years and seven seven months. I didn't think this was on here, but it's fascinating to see. The, the women's US Open is being won regularly by young players. And maybe that's something we should have taken into consideration in our champions. I guess I did because I've got eager. Oh, God. I'm not sure if you did. Oh, you did. Coco Goff. There we go. Yeah. So Coco Goff, I feel, would be very fitted. Yeah. <laughs> she had to squeeze right in there. I'm yeah. Most definitely. look good. I just, there's part of me that feels that if she was to win it, Coco Goff, I mean, it's a long way to go. But I've, the the one thing takeaway from her match, which I was really happy about, was like fighting against adversity. We've seen Coco Goff been one of those players susceptible to an early round exit as well. And I feel that there's a list of players that you've got you need to sort of get yourself out of that list. Like Sakari was one of them. I feel like Coco Goff was sort of in that beatable category. Ons Jabur, she sometimes has the ability to go out early as well. I think if you start putting it together in these slams and becoming more of a consistent player, then the, the whole tour will notice. And I Could feel that... Co- <laughs> wow, exactly. And that was one of the big picks. I knew she was going to go out first round, called it. Bernarda Pera knocks out Kudometova straight away. Wow, it's straight you're Australian sets. Open champion as well. I know, mate. <laughs> dead to me after that. You're, you're never, you. ever going to live that one down, I feel. <laughs> It Terrible. will never leave my mind. That, um, yeah, it no, could have been Coco Goff last night. Well. <laughs> this is what I mean. That's a, If you take a punt on like a player who's never won one before, be prepared for the risk that that involves because you could have an early exit on your hands. But I'm fingers crossed on Coco. She showed signs Alison that she Rich? was coming back. Is she there? Must be. She's in there somewhere. Let's go to somebody <laughs> else who had an early exit though. Well, oh, there's we two did... more. So we've done Salkari. Let's talk, speak about Holgaruna and then afterwards Felix because Felix is someone we don't need to tweet for. Let's quickly no. speak about him because I think there's a lot of similarities between Salkari in terms of quality of player um, and ability. 
Yeah. The only difference is I feel it's not so much of it's mental. I do feel there is an element of that, considering he went to so many finals and lost so many before he was even, even able to win one. I think maybe there could be some physical problems with him. Uh, I'm not maybe. sure exactly what it is, but what's going on? I mean, he's just losing every single match. It's been it terrible. terrible. First round, every, every slam. Literally, I've not seen... I can't believe that the back end of last year we were even singing his praises now. He's one of the seems... best players going into ATP finals in that indoor just, hard courts. It's just nuts. I mean, I'm just having a look. Yeah, first round. It's very dismal it's, fall. It's, it's literally nearly the mirror image of Maria Sackley. I think Sackley got third round yeah. at the Australian Open and then all first round exits. Yeah. I feel like that's why it's round. good to speak to them in, speak about them in uh, together. And look at this. I mean... If you even go back further, last US Open, second round, Wimbledon last year, first round. So both Wimbledons, the last two. And he's brilliant rounds. on grass as well. It's just not unacceptable, really. I'm not sure what's going on. I feel there's no. got to be some physical problems. I don't think there is so many physical issues with Saka because she spoke out about the mental problems. Uh, but maybe a lot of it is just purely mental with Felix as well. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I'm not sure if Tony Nadal still working with him. I think he is. But that oh, yeah. relationship has to end. Like I feel like that needs to be terminated immediately. It's clearly not working. And on Holgaruna, let's move away from Felix and, and Sarkari. Yeah. This was one I didn't really see coming at all. He was the fourth seed coming into this event. So he had his own quarter, his own photo on a quarter, which is obviously quite a big moment if, as a tennis player. And he put a tweet out about him being on court five. I don't know if you saw it. It was a yeah, bit yeah. sort of tongue-in-cheek. Um, maybe you can read it out afterwards, but this is what he said here. He said, uh, it's not difficult, but it's different. You're closer to all of the people. It's a nice atmosphere. No problem with the court. I just didn't expect to play on that court. I feel like it's normal. The better you get in the rankings, the more benefits you should get by playing in better conditions. I think that's a normal way. And it's how the ATP does with all of the players, but they didn't do it with me here. So it's obviously disappointing. But I'm not going to blame the court on the loss. He played very, very solid. Credit to him. And he yeah. often, then he went on to say how playing in the US, there was a lot of American players put on the better courts in front of him. He said he plays in France a lot and the same thing happens there. So he's kind of used to it. I think it's a little bit too many excuses from Holgaruna. Um, I, I don't know. think you can blame the courts on your loss. Um, let's be honest, it's court five. It's not exactly playing up the local park. I'm sure court five wasn't that bad. And it's not, I don't think it's necessarily the court, but it's of course the, the, the crowd, maybe there's not so many rules in terms of they're a bit closer. Um, but I, I don't know. I think you should just get over it, to be honest. It's, it's... it's far too many excuses. Let the tennis do the talking. You should yeah. be winning that match against uh, Caballos Buena, who's never beaten a top 10 player at all before yesterday. What went wrong, Ben? It's a very, very good question. I feel I had one eye on Holger Luna just because I, I was I was concerned about the way that he obviously withdrew in Cincinnati. He had it. There was it was a back problem apparently that he withdrew from that one. And do anybody who withdrew, we thought it's all precautionary. He hasn't mentioned any like injuries or anything in this uh, post-match thing. So I'm assuming he I think he, he did. Was... I think there was some okay, talk there's... of injury, but we just don't have it on the screen. Okay, so no worries. So, so maybe there was something small there. I don't... I feel that he does have a bee in his bonnet, feeling like he shouldn't have been on that court. I feel you have to just just deal with it. 
if you're a good enough tennis player, which he clearly is, that you don't go on the court with a bad attitude because you may come off losing. Do you feel and like feel he got in his own head a little bit? Just thinking about did. that. Most definitely. He was he tweeted about it before he'd even played. He was like, Oh, if anybody doesn't know where my court is, if yeah, if my court's gonna be uh, over the back somewhere, like um you probably don't know where it is or it's just why why are you tweeting that? Just if people want to come watch you, they'll come watch you. They know you're a good player. Just say, I'm just gonna be playing on court five today, see everybody there, come support me. Don't have to say like, Oh, it's the one which is hard to find and it's it's a very strange and he he's lost now six matches in a row, which is a bit crazy. Like coming into yeah, this for match, his ability you... as well, it is insane. And he's a young player and we know what it's like with young players. How many young players do the crowds not get behind? Like everyone will always root for the young player. But it's a bit different with Holger Runa because he's yeah. kind of been the young player who's played this villain role throughout his start to now. Yeah. And maybe it'll work out for him, but I think he's going to lose a lot of fans in the process of play of being this character. So I'm not sure if he's necessarily this villain he sometimes portrays himself to be. No, I mean, I feel that he only has himself to blame. the The thing with playing the villain role, you have to play exceptional tennis to be able to get people back on your side again. And he hit like 43 unforced errors uh, in yesterday's match, which was over double of his opponent. And when that's happening, you know it's going to be a very, very tough day at the office. Credit to Kobayas Bainer. I know we always go on about the person who got knocked out, but then some players have to step up to be able to yeah, knock out he such a good player. Up. And Kobayas Bainer is one of those weird players that you just... He can have that effect on some players. I'm more on clay, player. though. Yeah. No, he's a good but... player. And also, I've seen him play well on the, on the hard courts as well. I remember he, I think he beat Shapai when Shapai was playing quite well yeah, in Australia one time. And he had some, I've seen Caber Spain play some good tennis. And I'm not, he's someone who can turn up to beat a good player. So it's a tough, tough first round for Bruno, but should have won. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Anyway, he's out of Djokovic's side, so Djokovic probably just like, well, chuckling to himself. I wonder what he was thinking looking at that. I mean, he wouldn't really fear anybody at the moment, Novak Djokovic, but when you remove a few players from there, I think he would fear the unknown more than he would fear players that he's played before right now. So someone like a Eubanks or someone come flying through in the US would be more scary to a Djokovic, I feel, at the moment than the likes of a Sissipas or a Holger Luna, people like that. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. But who else we got? No, let's talk about uh, someone more positive because where we had him dropping out we had some guy who was back and it was the us open champion from 2020 dominic team come on he is back and he absolutely destroyed sasha bublik didn't he straight sets win for dominic team and his first win since that final when he won against uh, Sasha Zverev. So from one Sasha to another Sasha, that's where he gets his wins at the US Open by the looks of it, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, I've already spoke about this one on the news video. Go check it out if you want to see my initial reaction. Um, really happy for Dominic Team, and he's got, I think, uh, a really tough match next in Ben Shelton, which I've also tipped to go very far. So I'm a bit torn, actually. I don't know. Do I want my bracket to be right or do I want Dominic Team? It's a bit of a win-win because I'm happy for Team. 
Yeah. Uh, but I've got Shelton gone all the way to the semi-finals, which some people have called me crazy for. Certainly very possible. Uh, but the big incident in this one, which I want to speak about, is actually Sasha Bublik and some of the comments he made during the match. Yeah. I don't know if you want to bring it up. Uh, did you send me a tweet for that one as I well? I thought I did, but if not... I we can just speak about it, and I'll, but I'll bring it up. It, but he was actually referring to not only Dominic Team, but he was referring... Oh, yeah, you did bring, give it to me. Here we go. One second, I'll just pop that on the screen. He was talking about some of the other older players on the yep. tour as well. Yeah, so, so Dominic Team was asked about Bublik saying, I'm sick of giving careers back to disabled people during the match. I've seen the video of Bublik saying this as well. A bit of a weird thing to pose to Dominic Team because I don't know how he's going to respond in like in the in person live thrown at him in the press conference. Not yeah. very easy to handle. He said, I don't know if that's if the translation is right, you know. If it is, then it's a tough saying. Something you shouldn't say in general, just out of respect. But maybe he didn't mean it in that way or whatever. Probably a but, joke. But, but what um... can I say about it? No, I don't think it was a joke. I've seen it. I think it's a bit I think it's out of pocket. I don't think you should be saying that. Um, I don't like it at all. I think it's very offensive. And Bublik, for me, should be he should be fined. I think it was really disrespectful. I don't like it at all. Um, I don't think you should ever speak uh, about disabilities in a way which he has done. I think it's... I just don't like it. I think it's. it makes him... He, who, 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 do you th- who does he think he is? That's what I'm saying. Who exactly. who is who is he? He's not exactly, exactly a world beater. I mean, he loses an awful lot of tennis matches, so I don't like I don't like him saying that. I think it's really wrong, and I want him to be punished for it because I'm I'm not offended by it because it doesn't offend me, but I can understand how some people would have caused could have created a lot of offence and uh, and upset some people. So I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit difficult for him to have such a strong opinion when he hasn't really amounted to that much uh, in his career so far. Um, and he's talking about people who are Grand Slam champions as well. These aren't people who are just like any other run-of-the-mill players that he's speaking about. You just need to watch what you're saying on a tennis court because, one, if he didn't mean it, then why bother saying it anyway? Because it's going to get blown out of proportion by media and by everybody. And if you did mean it, then you're just going to lose a lot of face and a lot of fans. And you're going to get, especially at the US Open, that's the main place to get booed out of everywhere in any tournament. So, oh, he doesn't um, need to worry because he's out anyway. Exactly. Here you go. There's a little bit more. I'll pop my little tweet up. (laughs) And we've got Dominic Team, who's back to the future uh, in this one. He's posing as Marty McFly here. And then we've got Bublik there as the, well, I thought I'd put him as the bad guy uh, from Back to the Future. And then we've got, apparently Zverev is his best mate. So I've put him over there as the doc. And then we've got uh, his girlfriend there and then his coach there as well. So a champion returns. And then you've got here the US Open round two there on the car. Right. <laughs> little thing just to finish on. Yeah, it's a Brilliant. great meme. That sums up a lot of the top stories for day one. Just a quick fire on some other things. Of course, Offner, friend of the podcast, went through against Borges. Go sign up to the Patreon if you want to watch me and Ben playing with Offner. That yes. was that is on the on the Patreon. You're able to see it if you sign up. Kasparud got through Navy, looked really not great, but managed to do it. 
Fuksovic beat Korda, another one which is a bit of a surprise. Uh, Fuksovic started the year in a five-set victory with his top off looking all ripped in Australia. He's done the same pose at the end of this year in the slam. Another hard court, just tensing. I mean, his biceps are absolutely insane. And... Oh, you got it up, do you? There we go. Just for everyone. <laughs> this is how he ends the year. It's absolutely enormous. Uh, but them. that's another one <laughs> out there. <laughs> In terms of the men's, Chris Eubanks won. We spoke about some of the other ones. On the women's, I think we've been through most of the ones. Azarenka won straight sets. Mukova looked really good. One of the best players in the opening yep. rounds. How did Maya come through against Sloane Stevens in a tough three-set match? Rabakina managed to beat Kostuk. And a lot of people saying maybe that could be an upset, but it wasn't. And Tomjanovic, yep. back in action playing tennis. We know she did extremely well uh, last year at the US Open. And she's followed it up with a, with a good win against Udvardi. Yeah. Uh, so some players tough. to watch out for. We're going to be covering some matches today. So stay tuned on the channel and we'll give you another daily update, hopefully a little bit earlier tomorrow. But for now, we'll leave you. Join the Patreon to watch me and Ben play against um, the legend from Austria. And we're not talking about Dominic Team, but Sebastian Offner. And we'll see you very soon. Like and subscribe. See you later. Podcast Network.